gracious God, would you send your Holy Spirit that we would see Jesus. Amen. I have a friend named Owen who once went to interview, interview for a job. And after his interview, the panel looked at him and said, I'm sorry, but uh, you're overqualified for this job. So we would like to offer you the position above the one that you're interviewing for. That's a bit of what's happened in this passage that we just read in the Gospel of John. You see these 11 disciples, they feel underqualified or they feel like the only position they can do is, is, is to be these followers of Jesus. And Jesus says, I have a task for you, but it's one higher than the one that you think you're interviewing for. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you retain anyone's sins, they are retained. Paul says, who is sufficient for this task? This is too much for any of us as a human being. John tells us three things in this passage. He tells us of disbelief that turns to belief. John tells us of dismay that turns into joy, and he tells us of inability that turns into ability. Disbelief into belief. Now, if you're at all familiar with this story that we just read, oftentimes we call Thomas Doubting Thomas. It's actually a very incorrect word for Thomas. The word doubt is not here. In fact, uh, most of our translations don't do it justice. We say, we see where it says, do not doubt but believe. But it's more accurately translated, do not disbelieve but believe. Thomas gets such a bad rap. It's a bit like if you've ever seen that kid film, Big Hero 6, that my daughter has made me watch countless times. There's this one character called Wasabi. They call him Wasabi because he, he says, I spilled Wasabi on myself one time. One time, folks. Disbelief does not equal doubt. It's a problem, but it's not a doubt. Just a couple weeks ago, if you think about it, Jesus says on Good Friday, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is that doubt? No, but it's a problem, but it's not doubt. Maybe problematic Thomas, but not doubting Thomas. But his problem is this, is that, you see, it says on the first day of the week, he was not there and all the other disciples were. But this can be easily explained if we realize that he actually was present on Golgotha. He was present when he saw those nails go through Jesus' hands, when he saw that spear go through Jesus' side. You see, Thomas is, is probably that one friend you want working with you. As General Patton said, if everyone in the room is thinking the same thing, then someone is not thinking. You want someone in the room thinking differently than you. That's what Thomas is doing. He's that one guy that doesn't get the wool pulled over his eyes. 
And Thomas says, I know those Roman soldiers were experts at their jobs. They knew how to kill people. And I know for a fact that if we are to believe what it said in Isaiah 53, that he was disfigured beyond belief and even stopped looking human, there is no way that the Jesus you say you saw, Peter, James, John, Mary, and Mary, there is no way that that is him unless I can put my fingers in his hands and my fingers in his side. He's disbelieving but he's not doubting. And you see, here's what I love about John. Almost every resurrection account starts very similarly in all the Gospels. There's about six to seven verses where it starts with the women going to the tomb. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all report this. But then I love how they then go on to contrast and tell you a little bit differently about Jesus. Jesus in Matthew says, and lo, I am with you always. Jesus And Luke says, beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained that everything was about him. Mark, he just says, the tomb's empty. Figure it out on your own. Don't know what you have to make about that. And then John, John is so different. John says, this gentle, kind Jesus sees Thomas and knows what Thomas needs. Thomas says, Unless I can see his wounds and and feel those wounds, I, I will really have a hard time believing Jesus is the good shepherd in chapter 20 and chapter 21 of the Gospel of John. This gentle, kind shepherd comes to Thomas and he turns his disbelief into belief. Do not disbelieve, but believe. You see, the Greeks believed in in this disembodied state after death. They disbelieved in the resurrection. The the Jews of the day disbelieved in in, in a, in a, a resurrection in the here and now, but there would be one in the future. And what is radically different than either of these two worldviews is the fact that Jesus is physically present. You see, Jesus doesn't walk through the wall and through those locked doors because he's less real than the wall, but rather more real. As Professor C.S. Lewis put it, he said the reason why Jesus goes through the wall, it's because it's as though a hand, which is of more substance than the vapor, it simply cuts through that vapor. Jesus knows that Thomas needs to see in order to believe, and that's where Jesus meets him. But the second thing we see here is that we see dismay turning into joy. You see, in Psalm 16, it says, at your right hand are pleasures. There's joy forevermore. Jesus isn't just about some idea of pie in the sky, some disembodied reality that after it's all said and done and after this earth goes away, not with a bang, but with a whimper and with the implosion of our yellow sun, but rather it's this physicality to the new heavens, the new earth, and 
his resurrected body and our future resurrected body. He wants to turn our dismay into joy. The world will not just end, but it will continue and be sustained by the Lord and giver of life. You see, Jesus comes through those walls and he greets his disciples with the most common greeting of the day, peace. He takes their dismay, he takes their anxiousness, he takes their anxiety, he says, my peace I give you and my peace I leave with you, but not the peace that the world gives to you. He gives them a deep reservoir of joy to draw on. This is the same reservoir that will, that will give Polycarp the ability to face death and realize that death is not the only thing, that death has been conquered, that our brother, our captain, our King Jesus has blown a hole into death. And as St. Francis of Assisi puts it, he says, Oh, death, our ancient enemy, hear now our Easter melody. Alleluia, alleluia. The third thing that we see here is that Jesus takes not only Thomas, but all the disciples from inability to ability. He takes them from this powerlessness, from this weakness, and he entrusts them way beyond they could ever ask, think, or imagine. Archbishop Thomas Cranmer grasped that. In 1549, when he helped write the Book of Common Prayer, which has then become this pattern of worship throughout the world, you see, he understood these words in verse 22 and 23, where he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And Jesus goes on to say, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. The reason why Jesus says these words is because he is empowering us as his people, as his disciples. Archbishop Thomas Cranmer had no desire in 1549 to abolish the priesthood. He had every desire to abolish the laity. Now, before you switch on YouTube or Facebook and go somewhere else and say, what in the world is that clergyman saying? What is that deacon saying? Hear me out. The book of Revelation says that God has made us a kingdom of priests to offer worthy sacrifices of praise to him. We only forgive sins because Christ himself has forgiven us. We are unable to do that. But through Christ, and only by putting our faith and trust in him, are we able to have those sins forgiven. That's why it ends with verse 31. These are recorded, these events are recorded that you might believe, that you'd go from disbelief to belief, that you'd go from dismay to joy, that you would go from inability, the, the inability of, of ever freeing yourself of the guilt of sin and shame 
to the ability of rejoicing in the forgiveness of God the Father. That you would believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. That is the new birth that St. Peter tells us about in 1 Peter chapter 1. Here is why you and I have ability to to be forgiven. Have you ever wondered why Jesus, the resurrected Lord, still has wounds? I had a dog named Fuzzy, and Fuzzy got into a fight once. And I was walking him, and this German shepherd that was three times the size of him jumped on him, bit his back. And I, being a neophyte, new dog owner, only 14 years old, decided to reach my hand in to separate the dogs, which was a brilliant idea for a 14-year-old. The German shepherd had my dog by the back of the neck. Fuzzy spun around to bite the first thing he could put his teeth into, thinking it would be the German shepherd. But no, it was my forearm. It's been 20 years since then, and Fuzzy has passed away. But every time I look at those scars, I remember my dog. The psalmist says, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgression from us. And though your sins be as red as scarlet, I'll make them as white as snow. Jesus says, I want to forget your sins but I never want to forget how much it cost me. To paraphrase the great bard, William Shakespeare, he said, today is the feast, not of Crispian, but of Christian. He that sheds his blood with me today, be he ne'er so vile, this day shall gentle his condition. Yearly on the vigil of Crispin shall They strip their sleeves and show their scars and say, these wounds I had on Crispin's day. Old men forget, yet all shall be forgot. But he will remember with advantages what feats he did that day, that good Friday. Jesus Christ stands with his wounds because he could have gotten rid of them. He is all-powerful, but he chose not to. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. Can a mother forget her child? Yes, she can. But I, Yahweh, the Lord, will not forget you. Father, we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. As we work our way towards Pentecost and we count down to the giving of your Holy Spirit, Would we receive your Holy Spirit right now, wherever we are, on the other side of this screen? Would we go from disbelief to belief? Would we go from dismay to joy? And would we go from inability to ability? And we ask this all in your precious Son, Jesus' name. Amen.